nobody like this You ain't seen nobody like this You hear my sound all over town singing Good evening and welcome to another edition of uh, SA Soccer Roundtable. My name is Harry. I'll be your host uh, for the evening. Uh, joining me tonight, Royce, uh, happy uh, belated birthday to you. Hopefully uh, Thank you. you had a great birthday. And yeah, it was fun. Rafa, I recognize you this week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> welcome back. <laughs> uh, so... <sighs> lot to get to SAFC uh, and just kind of news around there uh, for it here. Um, any high school news that you have, Rafa, that's coming up? Uh, I know it's still, you know, high school's getting ready to kick off, but not the high school soccer season. Anything exciting that we want to share, uh, maybe about uh, Coach Cano? I know Coach Cano, now, I just want to send congratulations to him. He's now the director of coaching, and I think he's the head girls soccer coach at St. Mary's Hall. Uh, high school so congrats to him and i know he's she'll do a really good job with them and hopefully like i said turn that program around and get get back where they were before but you know in competition with the state championship and i'm still waiting to see who uh i know it's coming down to the wires and school starts in a couple of weeks who the new churchill boys head soccer coach is going to be so that should be interesting who takes over that program. And I know that program, um, it's up and coming. I think they're going to be the ones that challenge Lee this coming year. I know they had a lot of talent coming back. So we'll, well, hopefully I can find out who the new coach is and see, you know, like I said, what, what, like I said the Chris credentials and all that, the background and what vision he has going in forward into the season. Should be interesting. Um you know, for that here, I know club soccer is starting to pick up around town now. Um, I know AJ starts practice, so our scheduling may change. Um, we're going to do Sunday, but then next Sunday, uh, SAFC RGV plays. So next week might be a to-be-determined Wednesday, Thursday, Tuesday. We'll, we'll have to play it by ear on, on next week. But uh, we're hoping to get back to maybe a Sunday schedule going forward, um, you know, for the week here. We can, uh, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it later, but we could do a pre uh, pregame show or we could do a during the game show. So, <laughs> well, Just I'm planning you. on, uh, since I got, yeah, uh, the uh, the Monday off, I looked at the time off and there was time available, and I'm like, sent a message Lucky. to my wife, hey, do you mind? Lucky, she said, sure. And I was like, just the boys or the family? And she's like, just the boys. So I was like, all right, we'll roll. So it uh, should be exciting. I know uh, the checks are planning going down there, obviously, uh, of course. Um, they typically always go down to uh, there. So should be interesting. Um, I know Sunday matches are hard to make with uh, 
the uh, following work day the next day and it's uh what a four hour drive down and back four and a half mm -hmm. hours um you know if, if you're doing the speed limit uh for that here so let's uh get into the good the bad and the ugly uh which was the el paso match uh, they unfortunately lost two to one um on here and then kind of looking at the uh, lineup here, uh, Cardoni, uh, Gleedle, Deplain, Schloberg, Maloney. So we had, uh, I think, our, our starting back four finally. Mm -hmm. uh, Abu, uh, Lindley, Cuello, Jose, Epps, and Nathan. So, Royce, uh, we'll, we'll start with you. Your thoughts on the lineup? Uh, any changes? Any surprises? Any shocks? Or this this is this is the go-to, you know, without PC being healthy, obviously. So without Patino and without PC being healthy, this is basically it. Uh, that back line is pretty much what we, um, uh, what uh, Alan Marcina's wanted pretty much the entire season, um, especially with the fullbacks, um, with Maloney and Gleadal out there. That's huge. Um, and that's really a, that and obviously um, – uh, having a, a natural six, a natural um, center defensive midfielder, um, that's what we've needed, and that's really the key to us turning things around. And at the same time, that's also helping with chances um, that were more quality chances that we're creating is because our forwards are are allowed to go forward more and not worry about coming back and defending and helping. You know, whenever we had to play in, um, as a as a right back, he's He's just, he doesn't have the pace that a Sam Gleadle or a, a Connor Maloney has. So um, it's that this is the lineup right now, especially with, like you said, PC being hurt, with Patino being hurt. That's it. And I think coming into this season, Marcina, this is kind of the formation he wanted. He wanted that double pivot in the midfield. He wanted three or four forward. And I think this is, this is Marcina ball. We're seeing it. Your thoughts on it? Uh, Rafa, uh, this is just your typical lineup that you were gonna. We've seen. I think, I think the incarnation started when we did the the friendlies, and eventually we, that's when we added our, our regulars in minus a, you know PC. But then he came back, but now he's out. But uh, having Muhammad Abuz was a big pickup, huge, uh, and he's really was the missing piece. Just to, to solidify, you know, with being PC down, you know, he you don't miss a beat with him. So he's he's gonna be he's gonna be a big factor along the way. And like I said, plus it gives PC time to really kind of heal. You know, we rather, you know I rather have him at 100 percent, maybe than 80 percent. So absolutely, that's a good point. Yeah, it, it buys us buys us time for him. And then, you know, what what can you say about Nathan? He's just been on a roll, you know, and. You know that's going to be a tough decision when Patino comes back. You know how do you do you keep him on? You stay with a hot hand like you're in the in the Vegas Vegas throwing the you know in the slot machines and so forth, or do you go back with Patino? So, but that's a good problem to have because Very, you have yeah. qual, good quality. And then you said you also add Dylan into the into the mix, so you got three good quality forwards. That you're gonna you can use going into these these real pivotal games coming up in August and September. So we're and in good shape. And now yeah, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say just what that also can bring up is if you remember in the beginning of the season in preseason, 
we're running out of four four two, um, very much like uh, the Austin Bold deployed um, against us. We'll get to that match later, but they ha- they also had that four four two, and it was tough to break them down until they kind of undid themselves. Uh, but it was really tough to get through them, and they pressed really well, and that's what I think Marcino wanted to do and have his two Fords do a lot of damage. And can you imagine a hot Patino and a hot Nathan on a counterattack, possibly with Gallegos on, on a wing? That could be a heck of a combination later um, later this year or maybe even in the playoffs, so we'll see how that goes. So I think the story about El Paso is going to be this play here, because um, this play I think changed the changed the game here, and this is a, a courtesy of the highlights of SA and El Paso from USL Championship. Um, this is picking up around the fourteen forty six uh, fort here. El Paso's got a corner, and here's where we're going to see uh, the the quote unquote handball uh, by uh, USL Pro. I know my 6'8 friend is watching at home back in New Hampshire. It's actually Matt Boehner, I believe, who played at FC Cincinnati, who's in his second season. He probably had a hand up here early. And it goes head to hand. Looks like his left forearm. A couple of questionable sequences here early on. But again, it's uh, Lucha Salidiac who step forward uh, to the spot. Stutter step and puts it away for goodness time. Uh, so they didn't do the other one. Yeah, no, so. they, yeah, and the highlights they completely skipped the first attempt. But what we saw there is the the cross comes in, which first of all, Jose lost his man there. Jose was more looking for the counter, completely forgot about the guy at the end of the, at the edge of the box. That's his right there at the edge of zone fourteen. Um, he puts the ball in. It rattles around in the area of indecision. And um, it goes off of the plane, tries to head it. He heads it slightly, and then it slightly goes off his forearm at the same time. Uh, ref calls penalty. Typically, you don't see those given because normally that's well, per the new rule, it's not supposed to. If it's an immediate deflection it's not, it's off ball. of a head, correct, but ball to hand, whether, exactly. whether it's off of him as an individual or even off of an El Paso Somebody player, else. yeah, if it's an immediate player, unless you're sticking out like this, which yep. he was not doing. Nope. Technically, it's not supposed to be called. Exactly. And his hand was in a pretty tucked in position. I don't, I don't know where your hand's supposed to be when you're in there trying to jump his hands inside. So a very a very typical ticky-tack <laughs> penalty that goes against SAFC and a handball in the box that's called against SAFC, whether it's New Mexico scoring a goal off their guy handling the ball or our guy getting unjustly called for a handball in the box we seem to run into those a lot um, especially in the last two or three years so big surprise that that rears its ugly head but there you go and then to continue the to continue the the confusion lucho kicked first scored ref stopped it pointed to San Antonio FC like it was going to be an indirect free kick, you know, uh, back for them or a direct free kick back for them. Went over to the AR and, you know, Lucho, and, and this call was right if he if he called it, you know, infraction on El Paso going into the box. And, you know, li- listening to um, the, you know, SAFC uh, broadcast, <sighs> And, and you could argue, you know, did Lucho stop or not? I think he did, but, you know. 
it's, it's rarely it's called, but it has yeah. been called. Yeah, it, it it's not like it's never been called before. It hasn't been called, but but the infraction that they're talking about, I couldn't. I don't understand why you're making that call. You know, number one, it had zero to do with what. what to me, it had added a second layer of compounding and, and conf the confusion on, on, on the PK because his his actions that he that he that he initially did didn't point for a re-kick. You know, he point he clearly pointed going the other direction. Correct. And you know, and then of course, you know, that that's that's you know, it, you know, not you know he ended up getting the call right if it was infraction ends because you know if you score it is a retake you know per the rules so you know that you know if he's calling that that is the right that is the right call i just question you because you can't see the infraction on the tv so how bad was it really right but uh, your thoughts on, on on the pk situation there rafa that's inexcusable by the ref you know he made the call as far as the infraction made by Lucho on that. That, sh that should have been a free kick, uh, indirect kick for us. I think honestly. But if he USL, calls the infraction, though, it per the rules of the game, it is a, it is a retake if he makes it. If he misses it, then it would be San Antonio's you know free kick. But if he makes it, it's a retake. So if you're going to call the infraction. You know, technically he got it. I just think you you could tell it was something that he hadn't really called before because he had, in, until he went and talked, you know, to to the AR, he didn't know what it, it, he gave the appearance that he didn't know what he was doing. I'll, I'll say that he may have knew, and it, you know, he may he may have signaled the wrong way. I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, but the appearance that that he let off is he had no clue what he was calling. I think that goes back to now justifying maybe the US USL maybe for these type of situations having bar. I don't, I don't see why they just can't have it just for, for this to for clarification, you know, on, on these little on these little things and and also even for the handball too. I know like today they uh I know uh, the Premier League release uh, you know they're going to be very as they say strict as far as the handball calls, but they're not going to be giving handball calls for any little flimsy, you know, thing, you know, oh, hit off the shoulder kind of deal what happened there. So I think that's something they really need to discuss going into the next year. But, you know, you know, I, I think, I think that, like I said, that, that kind of killed our momentum a bit and that did change the game. Well, it changed so, it. El, El Paso, yeah. El Paso yeah. is a team. If they get ahead, generally speaking, you're not you may you're you're not going to end up winning that game generally speaking yeah. they at in in our division they have given up the least amount of goals and it's no surprise because of especially after the the last Austin game which we'll get to but um it's just really hard to score against them they have they really compact the box um they have Lucho kind of go up by himself and they're more keen on playing a a 4-5-1 or a 5-4-1 and um just not they'd rather not give up a goal and not score than score a goal and and give up a goal so that's kind of that's their mentality that's what their coach wants them to play and they do it pretty dang well and they've been lucky enough to stay relatively healthy this whole season so they've been able to do it um pretty well and you have a quality striker like uh lucho soliak up there mm -hmm. and 
he can be by himself and he can hold up. He can run and play. That's that's they're afforded to do that and and they can do that. And that's pretty much what they did in this match after the that PK. And to me, they're they're a very underrated team on the attacking side. You got you got Lucho, um, you've got um, Diego Luna who, Luna who scored the second goal. Um, but coming off the bench is one of my favorites. Uh, is Sebastian uh, Velasquez um, who assisted yep. on that second goal. Um, him coming off the bench, you know, to me, you put him, Diego, and Lucho up. You know, that that's a pretty solid top three that, you know, especially if they're doing the countering like, they, like they'd love to do, you know, they may not be a league leader. You know, they may not be Phoenix in scoring goals, but they're going to be able to get that one goal that they need uh, right. most of the games. And, and that's what it's been a successful formula. You know, as we've discussed, they're what the last two years, the uh, Western conference finalists, they haven't won it, um, you know, for it here. But uh, they've been in the game, and and so far this year, you know, they've only got one loss, and that was to RGV and RGV. So it's hard to hard to argue with the success that they're having uh, for that here. Um, but thoughts on outside of the PK, uh, you know, for that here with you know, because I know that was that that kind of set the tone for the night. I think for yeah. the stadium, you know, for the fans, you know, I know I was focused on it, and you know, probably a little bit too much, <laughs> but. Right. Just continuing on kind of the gameplay, and that's kind of continuing from it. Like, basically what the PK did was it afforded El Paso to stay a little bit deeper, which they did. They were more reluctant to go forward. They're, they're more likely to give it to Lucho, who had a tough time uh, connecting play because Mo was on him, and Mo is much quicker than Lucho. So they had a difficult time coming out, but they didn't care about coming out. They just wanted to defend. So what ended up happening was they defended, and what El Paso likes to do is a very similar thing that New Mexico does where they really just plug in that area in front of the goal. The wings they're not too concerned about. They really like plugging in that area in front of the goal, which they did very successfully. It was very tough for uh, whenever Quayle got the ball, he had maybe a half a second to make up his mind before he got pressed on. Um, so we started um, going outside, and that's when you saw all the dribbling. We I think we had double their take-ons um, in this match, and that's where you saw Epps go on the right. You saw Jose go on the left. They would switch. Epps would actually be as the nine. Nathan would come out wide, and then they would dribble. Um, and you just had a lot of dribbles uh, down the line, and one of them got through, and that was Gallegos. Uh, this is just before halftime. Sent in a wonderful cross to Nathan. Nathan looked up before he caught the ball typical wide receiver thing when you look to turn before you catch the ball ball bounced up on him and he kicked it right over the net it was him and about three yards of grass and then the net there was nobody in front of him and he kicked it right over the goal uh, which would have tied it and that would have changed the aspect of the match and it would have evened it up obviously and it would have been very interesting in the second half but if some butts are candy and nuts that's not how things went <laughs> nathan missed it we go on we're down one at halftime go, go ahead rafa no, uh, that 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 was a key play there. That had we put that one in the net, they would have pretty much kept things open, wide open. But but one thing I do want to see more consistent as far as is, is switching the game of play, which we didn't see, which we did see in the the Austin game, which which we'll talk about in a bit. But mm-hmm. I think in order for a, if a team's going to be doing that, and this is just out of experience, you know. 
if you want you're gonna park the bus, uh, you you gotta play gotta play the ball quick up the field, and also switch the game of play because you'll have numbers there to take advantage of and and get the space that you need to send crosses in or get shots in. And I think like this with Quayo, you know, he needs to trust, I guess just trust himself to taking shots from outside. Yeah. You know, you have that little second, that little space of, you know, one second of space to shoot it, take the shot. Even if you don't hit it, if it hits the post or off the keeper, Nathan or Gallegos or Epps is going to be there to, the, the pick, pick there's, you know, the, the, hit it there's in. a saying in there's a saying in hockey if you put the ball on net good things happen so just put mm-hmm. put the puck to the net good things will happen bounces will go your way just do that and he had a that was one thing was when and that was a direct result with us attacking the wings it would pull apart their midfield their eight had mm-hmm. to go out their six would have to go out which is exactly what they did against us and we started doing that that's why we started dribbling out the wings because that would pull them to try to overload to help out. And when that happened, that allowed space right there in, in zone 14, right there that we've had a problem with. El Paso had a big problem with. Cuello would get the ball. He would just take too long to decide what he wanted to do with it. And if he were, like you said, to put some shots on frame, just put some shrapnel there, who knows but what could happen. I think that happen. opens it up, too. You take a couple yeah. of shots from the outside. Yeah. They're not... They can't sit back because they got to come that's up and, and, and stop it. So that opens up a little bit more. That's correct. And that's why you need to find that space in between the lines. And Cuello was really good about finding that space between their lines. He just was not very productive with the ball. And eventually with something like play like that, that defender is going to come up and it's going to lead to opportunities through a through ball for Nathan to that's come correct. from the back or for, or for Gallegos on the wing. But also, like I said, the, you know, the switching the game is a key, you know, switch the game of play in the game of play, you know, from one side to the other side. I like to see more of that because I think we can be, we have the players that are effective, we have the speed on the outside, and I think it and it stops teams from overloading on one side, like what El Paso is doing. If we can switch it off to uh, yep. kind of like one of the goals Mohammed sent on on the pass to the against New Mexico, that was a from. I mean, from yeah. one side to the other. It was exactly and that we, was a switch from the six. He had all the time and space in the world because they were not attacking in the middle. They were trying to go up the wings. Well, they were trying to go up one wing, the right wing in particular. And Mo had a lot of time. He found Jose right there on the right. And Jose went to the inline, crossed it in for Nathan for that first goal. You're right. Yeah. So we need to be faster there. And I think if we, we can accomplish that, that's going to lead to more opportunities and I think more goals. And I, in, and like I said, it's really going to make things a lot easier for our offense yeah. to, to get goals on the net. So, but that's these, these hit, yeah, that okay. there are, there are clear signs that that is a game play game model that Alan Marcino wants. And it's very clear and you can see it happen every time it happens. What we need is to get a consistent lineup on the field Mm -hmm. to play with each other, to get the reps in, to know where people are, and those things will come naturally. And that's why we – I hope everybody's lighting their candles. Light your (laughs) candles. Get away this injury bug from us because if we were to get a consistent lineup, we can really – we can continue this really good form that we're on and we can only get better and we can go in really hot into the playoffs. Here's a thought that I had. Um, so you'd see this a lot with Jose um, and Epps. When they were doing their drives in, instead of coming down to the to you know the 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 end line, 
they would cut it at, short at, at the top of the box and go more into into the the, the meat of the defense. Where mm-hmm. one of the things were you know especially on El Paso's second goal, uh, Sebastian went all the way down to the line, then cut it back, and I think it opens up a little bit more. So especially that game where you know you you had um, Jose and Epps doing a lot of a lot of the dives, you know, trying to one on one. I would have liked them to see come down a little bit further. Then that would open up the ability to cross a little bit more. You may not have had the angles to shoot, and, 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 and you may be kind of the counter to that. But I think I think if you can continue to go out wide and then cross it back in to to, to Nathan in the middle, on your top, thoughts on that? On there, top of this, let's say actually on that play, um, if you if you see if you see on that play, normally the goalkeeper is going to cover his post. Mm-hmm. So the option there, once you get close close to the end line, is the top of the six, and that's where uh, uh, where the El Paso player scored his goal. That's mm-hmm. where Quayle would would be at, and that's where he would have to take shots Basically like on the, the penalty on, on the first, yeah. yeah. So or even on top of the eighteen, that's mm-hmm. I think we need to find more more of those plays because it does because Nathan's going to att- attract attention. I think he's already attracting yeah. mm-hmm. even two two defenders. So if he can oh, yeah. do that, attract two defenders, but he also has to play make his finish his runs without the ball, maybe near side. That's going to open our attacking mid. Whether Beetle or Quail is or Quail or um, who's the other one? Or, Epps. I mean, Epps or or even um, even Abu, yeah, or, or whoever's Cam. up there. Talk about Lindley. Cam. Yeah, Cam. Yeah, yeah, coming in from the midfield. Yeah. So that's going to open space for a shot, mm-hmm. and, and I think I think Jose and Epps have to trust that play. Yeah. You know, and if it doesn't, hey, we can still steal the ball there, even if it gets intercepted. We can steal the ball there. So hopefully we can see more of that. I think that'll give more opportunities in the long run for us. Because right now I'm we gonna, don't have any. We don't have anybody unless you have Dylan in or Patino in. Correct. Correct. That's when you can send the so, cross up in the air. I'm gonna kind of shit on everything mm-hmm. y'all are saying right now. Um, <laughs> that's exactly what we're doing. Uh, if you notice the first goal against New Mexico, Gallegos went to the end line, crossed the back, Nathan in the goal. Uh, the first goal that should have been just before the half ended in the first half for El pa- uh, against El Paso, same exact play. Jose goes right to the end line, crosses it back. Nathan just kicked it over the the bar, um, and that ha- that happens. But they change it up, and they want they would rather cut back and do kind of a Cruyff turn, cut back and go toward the the end. And and I'll tell you exactly why. I've noticed this on a lot of runs. Is um, Typically, whenever you get a guy going down the end line, you get a guy that's going to stop on the penalty spot and you get a guy that's going to continue the run toward the back post. The guy going toward the back post is going to occupy the center backs. That guy on the penalty spot is going to be right by himself. He's going to get the cross and cross it in. The problem is uh, Quayo has not been able to get that far forward. So typically you'll see them cut across the box. Uh, Nathan will still take his run that'll go back uh, to the back post to get people away. Abu actually did this for uh, Gallegos's goal. Nathan had the ball running. Abu was next to him. Abu just kept going straight uh, like he was going to get a pass. That pulled back um, one of the center backs. The I guess that would be the Austin left center back who's on the right side of San Antonio. He went with Abu. So that means the left one had to come back and stay in the center, which allowed Jose to cro- to 
to turn right, and that's how he scored in the right corner, was basically a booze run that he continued whenever Nathan had the ball to get it back to uh, Gallegos. He really pulled a defender back, and that allowed Gallegos to go through. So it's all about finding the space. It's all about pulling defenders, and that's what they're doing right now. Um, I understand what you're saying um, uh, about that, but at the same rate, um, that may have been a good thing to do against El Paso because we were down one and we needed to score. But against Austin, you're not going to see the 10 go that far up um, mm-hmm. just because we were up. The 10 going to stay back and help defend. You're not going to give up a goal just to score a goal. So, Right, but I think to me the reason why I pointed out is it seemed like, and I know it's probably more in my head, but it just seemed like you'd get to the top of the box and then instead of trying to go down, they would cut. They would cut in right. when they had right. that they, clear they, lane. It, right, in, right, in, right. Well, normally, Harry, when they when you, our winger does take the ball down the wing, they're supposed to angle themselves right at the corner of the eighteen, right, which allows them to then and that gives them two choices: one, to create the shot, or send the send the pass to the backside of the because, mm-hmm. like I said, goalie's going to cover near ball side all the yep. time. So the option is sending that that back that pass to the backside, and I think Gallegos and, and Epps have to be more cons. If you're going to do that, dribbling that, you have to be better, more consistent as far right. as taking the shot, which they both can take the shots because they go uh, they can shoot from outside, right. or re- trust the pa- or trust it and send the pass in the backside, even if we don't get the ball. If they knock it off, you know, to the outside, we get a corner kick. That's what we want. We want, you know, we, we want to keep them there and they're attacking them there and their end of the air, keeping them away from our end. So, and, I think it, that's and, and it's all, needs, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's also, there's three real quick points. You you have to change it up all the time because mm-hmm. the fenders are going to learn what you're going to do. Uh, number two, you need another guy in the box if you're going to pull back like that to stay on the penalty spot. So if it's just Nathan, you're not going to go to the inline and cross back. Right. It's going to be tough. And number three, you kind of go where the defender allows you to go. So if the defender is shaped to push you out to the inline and he lets you go there, you go there and you beat him every time. If he's shaped to try to stop you from going to the inline, you're going to cut back and you're going to go to the goal every time. You're, you're going to let the defender do uh, what he allows you to do, and then you're going to beat the rest of the team. That's kind of where that goes so Royce any numbers from uh, the SAFC El Paso game that stand out that you that you want to point out uh, since you're our analytics guy so in the El Paso match El Paso um, uh, once again we out chance them we had more chances but El Paso had more dangerous chances um, and big chances uh, the one chance that we created was that Nathan chance that he just skied over the bar we haven't finished up the gameplay. I'll finish it up in a little bit. And then uh, El Paso had three chances. Cardoni had a really good save um, in the before the PK in the in the first half. Um, they also had the uh, obviously the PK. Um, that's a pretty clear chance. And then um, the uh, um, the the Luna goal that happened. So let's continue with uh, with play. Second half begins. Um, SAFC really goes for it. Um, El Paso really gums up the works. They defend really well. Um, and then they get a nice goal on a counter. Uh, Sebastian Velasquez, like you said, fresh back from Israel. Glad you're back, man. After that bombing campaign, I know he and his family, we talked about this already. Anyway, continuing on. Uh, Bad team go- choice, but glad you're back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is 100% correct. He goes to the inline, uh, cuts it back to Diego Luna, who's waiting, like we said. 
at the penalty spot. He gets the ball at the penalty spot. He has time because he gets behind Abu and shapes it to go around Cardoni on the right side. Um, and it's two nothing El Paso at that point. Um, so El Paso, that was in the 71st minute too, by the way. Correct. So El Paso really goes deep um, and just sits deep. Uh, Lucho goes off. They bring on another nine. I think that's the right sequence. That may not be. No, um, uh, Luna goes off because uh, no, Lucho Solnia no, should have been. No, right Solnia right didn't go off till the 87th minute. Okay, okay uh, so Luna was... went off because he had a yellow in the 37th he should, minute. He almost got a red. Should have gone a yellow. He, he had some uh, he close had calls. We'll, we'll just say he should have had two, <laughs> three or four yellows to be honest. But <laughs> hey, with USL, you never know. Some guys get yellows for almost no reason, and then some guys. I mean, it's very much like uh, watching um, Hector Herrera kick a dude in the head and barely get a yellow, which is <laughs> embarrassing. Anyway, it's like every ref, is, every ref is Angel Hernandez. It's ridiculous. <sighs> anyway, that's a baseball joke. If anybody is a baseball fan, let's continue. Um, so, uh, like I said, El Paso really defends deep um, after they go up to nothing. Uh, we come up and um, we win a foul. Uh, probably halfway between the midfield line and the box. Uh, Cam Lindley with another wonderful uh, service piece right on the head of Schuberg, and Schuberg clips it near post and game on, two to one. Um, and uh, after that, SAFC just, we kind of did what Harry was suggesting is dribbling down the sides, trying to get to the inline and crossing it back to try to use our height. Uh, they brought Dylan in uh, to try to get on a header. They even sent the center center backs up a couple times, and it just didn't work out. It's just one of them. We ended up losing uh, two to one, and it was a it was a rough result. But um, I felt that the teams were pretty evenly matched, and it honestly surprised me. I thought uh, El Paso would come in, and we would never see any. We would never create any chances. Uh, that their defense would really hold well, and that's kind of not what happened. SAFC looked pretty good against them, um, despite that first undeserved um, penalty. I thought that SAFC was the better team on the night. Uh, I'll, I, I'll I'll say it. I think you know. I thought they were even. Uh, maybe you can give the edge to SAFC because El Paso may have been playing for the draw until they got that garbage penalty. But uh, I thought SAFC looked really good against. Um, um, uh, El Paso the best, in that. The best team, this probably the yeah. top two team. In, they, in the, they only in controlled the, like maybe like about fifteen minutes of that second half. Yeah, the, that's when the when El Paso was really. It, it's when they countered. Yeah, when they did de- when they defended but really deep that, and, and they countered yeah. and they got that goal. Yeah, but after that, you know, it was basically SAFC pretty much controlled the whole game. Yeah, and to and to me, out of out of you know, you know, we didn't get the result that we wanted, but it yeah. does say that it does shows that. El Paso is not the elite team. They're you know, they're not like, invincible. They're, I don't want to say they're, 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 they're elite. They are they're elite. elite. They're like not elite team as far as invincibility. You know, they right. they're are vulnerable. You know, <clears throat> if you can, like For I sure. said, if you can get a lead and and take care of it, and or or keep on putting multiple goals on them, you can beat this team. Oh, very much so. I think and, San and that was something Matthew that yeah. well up with them. And, and I, I agree. That's, that's the. That's the key is is out of the teams in in in, in the mountain division, 
you know, I think RGV matches up with, well with them and San Antonio FC matches up with them because they're physical teams. They can handle the physicality of, right. of El Paso, which not a lot of teams can. And but and I think the difference where I think that San Antonio has over, you know, RGV and even El Paso is they're a more complete team. Yeah. Um, they got to get healthy. That's that's the big thing. 100%. They've got to get consistency. But I think once they get that 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 lineup going in and out, in and out, you know, maybe a little bit of rotation, do you know, due to the, just the number of games. But yeah, I, I talent think like, wise, mm-hmm. I think we are on par, if not better than them. I think yeah. coaching wise, I like El Paso's coach, so I think they probably have a you know a little bit of an advantage, you know, you know, you know, if the coaching wise. I know Royce is shaking his head, but that's um, great. Wholeheartedly disagree. No. I'm not saying it's off, but I think nope. we have just a slightly better roster. I think they have a slightly better coach. I think we I, have. I think a one of the game, one of the players. Around. I think they can make a difference. I guess on the go around once he gets healthy, I think they can take care of Sol- Soniak. Will be Kamiri. I think Kamiri. Yeah. I think I would. I would substitute Axel out for Kamiri in that game because you want to get a physical player. And I yeah. think he can match up with him. And I think Kamiri would pretty much not allow him to touch the ball. So the, and, the reason he, the, the reason why I think we well this despite injury, obviously, but I think the reason that Axel has started these last two matches is because of how ridiculous that dude is in the air, naturally. Yeah. And in both El Paso and Austin crossed. Uh, Austin much more than El Paso, but they enjoy a cross, especially because Soniac's there. Soniac's I mean, he's going to head it. That's kind of what he does. So there are a lot of crosses for both teams. Um, but I think that's why Axel was there to um, to negate um, Lucho there, uh, his his presence in the air, which he definitely, if you're going to put the plane out there, you got to have uh, Axel there to, to clear it out of the air. So I think that's why, despite injury, I think that's why um, Kamiri wasn't there. I think uh, Kamiri's good with his feet. And so I think uh, the next round you either have you could have Doyle and Jasser. I think that'd be a very interesting um, center back pairing, or you have Axel and Jasser. I kind of agree with that physicality. That might be a good thing against uh, against Lucho because he, um, but, he because that allows Axel. At the same time, you know that'll yeah. free up Axel to do what he needs to do, and he won't have to be too like I said. I, I know he's six right. seven all, but. He's not as kind of built like like Lucho, but Kamiri right. is. You know, he's. Right. I think he he can really shut him down, and 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 absor- and really fluster him. And I think yeah. that hopefully when he does get if he does get healthy, hopefully this game or the next one, I would start both of those two there yeah. in the center mid and let and just have Kamiri all over Lucho the whole game and just kind of stick with him like just like, man mark like basically. But I so, would say don't discount the job that Deplane has done in these last yeah. two matches no, he's been absolutely yeah. massive. So moving on to the bold um uh, SAFC went up uh to Austin Bold Stadium. So did we <laughs> all of us went <laughs> <laughs> fought the traffic and won. Uh, yeah. well, some of us won uh, uh, Royce I don't yeah, yeah I did like, not. That was <laughs> in my phone. Let's not I literally deleted Google Maps. I have ways now. I have changed my yeah. Let's not talk about that. that uh, I need a Garmin. <laughs> I got a phone, dude. I got an iPhone. iPhones are fine. <laughs> anyway, continue. So, 
uh, SAFC uh, won 3-0, uh, two PKs and a Jose Gallegos goal uh, late to put it away. Uh, Lineup-wise, um, SAFC came out this way here. Same back four. or same, exact you know, same. Guardi, it's the exact uh, same lineup. Same exact lineup here all the way through. Uh, I think the only change really was Ollie wasn't on the bench for this one, yep. and and Hoppy Al was, and Hoppy Al uh, was was uh, on the bench, uh, although yep. didn't didn't play either nope. uh, for that here. So <sighs> I love that we have Gleedle and Maloney. Uh, you know, I just makes huge. me feel good. Uh, huge, you know that that the fullbacks are are set. You know, the warm fuzzies. Yep. And then, you know, the center backs, you know, you've got three, four that you can rotate really, uh, you know, five, you know, uh, that, that really you could really, you know, rotate yeah. in there and feel confidence with. Um, get PC in there. I think this team rocks. But uh, thoughts on the bold uh, match here? You know, started with a uh, what PK in the 30th minute uh, mm -hmm. with Quail. Paninka. Yeah. Dirty. Um, Dirty. Dirty. Was we were right there. It was dirty. It was, it was right nice with the, with the phone. <laughs> 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 Filmed the whole thing. Um, Nathan got a PK in the second half. Oh, we'll, we'll do the halves here. So first half, uh, like I said here, Quayo got its uh, its goal here. But to me, what stuck out? Let is, me. Uh, let, let me. Oh, okay, real quick. Sorry. Go ahead. Com completely skipped it. El Paso match. Uh, we had three yellow cards. Uh, Cam, Schuberg, and Mo uh, were the three yellow cards in the El Paso match. Now let's fast forward to the Austin match. Uh, let's do the uh, first half Austin Bold yellow card count. You ready? Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, six, six yellow cards for Austin Bold in that first half, which really points to a San Antonio FC uh, domination of that half for sure. And which prompted the bold to have to make three subs at, at half, at half uh, to uh, do that. Now they ended only ended up getting one more um, in the uh, second half, which was an important one. But correct, they had. So we'll start with and, you, Rafa. Arguably, should not have been a yellow. But go ahead. <laughs> Thoughts, uh, Rafa, on the uh, first half of the bold SAFC uh, match there, where the only score was technically a penalty, but. And, and it could just be with the bold. I didn't really feel like they had a couple of chances, but you know, Gleedle, you know, shut down, um, uh, shut down Gordon. Mm -hmm. um, in my opinion, yeah, I love watch. You know, I could watch those two going back and forth just with the speed, speed. And, and the pace, just pace on pace on pace. Those dudes are so fast. Good Don't think Leo doesn't have to worry about his Gordon can't shoot. So I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what we were saying. And then what did he do? That so it was a but kind of a funny moment. Omar, kind of a funny moment. Omar will put the assist up, though. Exactly. Hold on. That's what I was getting to. We're all standing next to each other. Omar goes on a run and blows past Gleedle. Gleedle's trying to catch up to him. And what does Rafa do? The really stupid thing to where you want to hit him on the back of the head. He goes, Oh, don't worry, Gordon can't shoot. So what does he do? He crosses right to their uh, right to their number nine, and their number nine rifles a volley right into Cardoni's hands. Luckily, but I was like, "Really, Rafa? You're going to say that?" And he's going to cross it, and I was going to assist. Well, well, Gordon has to be like on, John man. Stockton and give the pass. He just can't shoot. So. John Stockton was a three oh, shooter. Are you kidding me? Yeah, but he can he's shoot. He's one of the greatest saying, three shooters of all I'm time. Saying, he's, 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 
he wants he doesn't want to be like LeBron and give him the final shot or John Stockton's name. Good lord. <laughs> anyway, continue, Harry. No, Sorry. But but I, I think I think that you can tell we be we were the aggressor in the first half. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. I, I think I think they learned from the first game that first game on July third. You know that game was probably was probably the one a, a really just a bad game for us and just Very. wasn't nothing nothing was going for us even if we had a they had a man down you know, like I said Austin having a man down we just couldn't do anything. I think they started doing stuff from what they did in the the game against El Paso as a hey let's let's keep on doing this let's play the balls out on the wings and where we're getting a lot of chances especially on the wings. And that did open up that first goal, playing that ball, that little through ball down the middle. You know, we were getting more space. And like I said, Quayle got that, that, you know, he was about, he needs to shoot the ball a bit quicker, but he's lucky he got fouled. So we got that PK, nasty little PK he did on, on the Bozo keeper. But hey, we got the lead and we're just hoping to say, hopefully we don't have like a 1-0 game like we had in San Antonio. But like I said, they held on. Austin didn't really have much as far as of a threat. They had a couple chances, but nothing that Cardoni could handle. And then, like I said, the, the car you can tell they were frustrated, and that's when they started getting those cards. And that's really that really changes the the, the complexion of the game. And San but they got cards took, early though. They got cards yeah, in the twelfth, twentieth, twenty third, twenty ninth. 37th and, that, and 40th. So yeah, they that had changed cards everything. Littered yeah. all the way yeah. through. And it and was that, because like they were trying to stop our attacks because we were running right by them mm-hmm. and they did not know what was going on. So the big difference between that July 3rd match and this my 34th birthday match, that's what I'm going to call it. It's official. Don't worry about it. Hashtag we want four. Um was we had the freedom to attack and run all over them because we had a six and we had somebody to defend in the midfield. And that was the biggest difference in the match right there. Mo shut down everything that came at him and he got in the heads of the Austin team because instead of coming in the middle, they kept coming to the ends. They used uh, Omar's and the dude on the right. It doesn't matter. Omar Gordon's better than anybody on that team. Um, they utilize them to go to the end line and cross. How many crosses, you might ask? Uh, not many? 10, not 20, <laughs> not 25, 30. 30 Austin Bold had 30 crosses in that match. To give you some perspective, uh, in the match that we played before, both teams did not even combine to get 30. We had uh, El Paso and SAFC combined to have 29 crosses in the match the previous match uh i guess that wednesday before and we and we that was a heavy crossing match because both teams plugged up that midfield and so both teams wanted to cross a lot so that just gives you some insight how much austin um was basically their only option to attack was to cross they could not go through the middle and so they had to cross and they had to kind of uh it's a term in uh photography that kind of had to spray and pray um that's what they did and their prayers were not answered um and that's kind of so what happened there. here's my question for you how much of a difference does it make to have Melody and gleedal back there because i think before the midfield was happening to kind of help cover for you know pc lima whoever was kind of filling that role to me maloney coming back 
you know, and, and he was captain in this game here and, and captain for a reason. Absolutely. To me, he makes, I know we always talk about PC be, being, being the guy and, and he's very important. Don't get me wrong, but Maloney coming back, I think it opens up so much more, especially on the midfield where they're not having to sit back and it gives them that freedom that you're talking about. It's only what I've been saying this entire season to not panic about Alamarcina and his coaching was that we needed two people to be healthy. We needed PC and we needed Maloney, and this team is the best team in the division. Case in point, QED. Maloney coming back, A, as a captain, and he is the inspirational captain for this team, shut everything down that came his way. Galito had a little difficulty with Omar Gordon. Secondarily, who the hell doesn't have trouble with Omar Gordon and his speed? Because that dude is fast as crap. Surprised they but did not. But he still shut him down, Olympics. though. But, but if, he still he got can, shut down. He no, contained him. He contained him. He contained him. Correct. And the only option he had was the cross. That's the whole point of this. Was they thirty crosses? SAFC had ten, and we scored three goals. They had thirty crosses. Like, I can't explain to you how much desperation that shows from them that they could not get to the middle. So they just had their one or two guys try to get on the ends of crosses against a dude that's six, seven, like a, that's a bad game plan on Austin, but B that's all they had. That was their only option. They couldn't really do anything in the middle because we dominated them that badly. So, but your thoughts on the PK, uh, we'll go with you, Rafa. Cause uh, some of the complaints that I've heard, um, and, and they're just, you know, they're like me on Twitter, you know, hey, it shouldn't have been against El Paso. It's called, it's called, you know, it's, it is what it is. Um, your thoughts on the PK, um, you know, because I won't lie to you, when I watched it on replay, I was like, that was close to being outside the box when the contact started, uh, you know, for that here. But your thoughts on the PK valid, um, you know, solid all the way through? That, that was valid because if he doesn't stick, if he doesn't follow him, Quayle's got a got a goal. He was gonna he was about to take that shot. So and I'm, I was a little surprised. I know he got the yellow. I don't think it was at the last defender. I think there was another one next to him, but which could have been red if he was the last defender. But you guess you can see on the play, Quayle was about to take that shot, and that's when he got clipped in the back. I mean, he that that defender from Austin had no choice. But but to do you know to take a chance and hopefully the their keeper was going to stop the PK so it was an obvious obvious PK for for us so it's a legitimate foul. So I like I like to point out first of all that Harry's definitely not a Cristiano Ronaldo fan because he just drank uh, Coca Cola right there on the uh, <laughs> on the pod. But um, I am not. I am Team Messi. <laughs> There's there is no discussion. Um, me, and, me and AJ will uh, debate that uh, all day. I have my pins in it, but uh, cafe. There you go. Um, anyway, um, going through this whole controversy thing, uh, two things. Number one, um, the contact may have started just outside the box or on the line, but it continued. If you foul outside the box and that's all that the contact happens, it's outside. But when you continue the contact inside, it's a PK. It's pr- pretty pretty simple how that rule stated. A foul, it doesn't say the foul has to start outside the box. It just says a foul in the box is a PK. Um, secondarily, um, Quayo, 
the one thing that Quayle has needed this season is confidence. And he is one of the most talented players in the USL. Um, and he's been looking for confidence. Uh, he's had to play basically as a six, basically as an eight. That is not his natural position. He's had to defend a lot when he's not a natural defender. Uh, that's been tough for him, and you can really tell. Um, and now that he's playing as a 10, now that he has Lindley and he has Mo behind him, you can see how much freedom he's playing with and how much confidence he's getting. And to the result of he did the dirtiest panenka in this here i think i think the highlights will show this yeah. here so. let's uh yeah let's, let's roll the tape so this is where uh roll that beautiful bean footage here coming in on goal tackle from behind the referee points to the spot Quayo came into the box see even he was pointing outside SAFC the box there's a beautiful ball from deep i think it was from there the that's Quayo where made the run and fabian garcia that's a good game, man and dirty, dirty. With the Pavenka right <laughs> down in the middle of the Argentine well, got those blancos. It puts San Antonio ahead one to nothing. You can tell how well, much confidence he's getting for playing that's the ten, playing his natural down. position. Um, and as an SAFC fan, you can't be anything but oh man! Even the keeper looks back like uh, he's doing the uh, Ricky Bobby. Uh, I'm flipping through the air right now. This is not good. Um, so yeah. Um, and then the second goal, it's, it was coming right up there. Uh, the second goal happens. Um, Nathan gets sprung by, okay, go ahead. Oh, oh. beautifully weighted ball. Yeah, we can hear it. Around Panico, it. got a touch to oh. it. Yeah. You got to put the screen up. <laughs> Come on, I'm, I'm seeing others do this here as long as we give credit to uh, that's correct on here uh, with it. Credit on goes to USL YouTube, championship highlights, US correct? Championship and, highlights, so. correct. So, I think a little further back because we don't see the pass. Pass is about to happen, so a little bit further back. That's good. All right, all right. Way. Twenty-one-year-old. Oh, through three defenders. Ball. What a ball! Around Panico, got yeah. a touch to it. Very clear. And he got more and that than that, been a says the referee. Panico Last defender. Yeah, that should have been a dog, so with the been yellow. It's the yellow. Cuello again with a piercing ball. Great run from Nathan. Clear right. Obviously gets the touch and makes a nil out of the little bit of contact that Panico made, but he did make contact, and it's an obvious penalty for SAFC. Certainly made contact, and you may be exactly right, Panico. So this is something that we got to talk about. There's no clear PK taker on this team, which Seems is not like, a bad thing. Which you know, history says we don't make PKs. This year, that's not the case. Uh, that's because we have quality PK takers. We don't have um, one of my favorite. One of my favorite. The fight in Billy San Antonio. Yeah. We don't have one of my favorite San Antonio players of all time. And I don't. I don't want to disparage his name, but he's just not great. Takes the shot and finishes. And then Goal there's Pico. That's what he was trying to do against El Paso. There's Pico. Yep. There goes that man. There goes that man. Does a great job to get the ball into his favorite right foot. Puts it into the side netting. Nothing Panico could do about it. 
So, but and thank you to uh, USL Championship. Uh, you know the highlights: uh, Austin versus San Antonio on the seven thirty-one and twenty-one. And of course, you can view these on uh, U- uh, YouTube as well uh, for that here. So, so I thought it was a per. To me, would you say it is the most complete uh, performance so far on the year? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And. I'm going to reiterate this till I'm blue in the face. We're about halfway now through the season. Just we are about. getting close to halfway. Um, one more game, yeah. Right, we're getting very close. The team looks really good, and this is what I've been kind of saying. And this is a very hairy thing to panic in the beginning. That's kind oh, of Harry does. God, I blame it's you. fine. It's fine. I don't blame you. It's it's just the role you play, man. Know know who you are. <laughs> this no, is when role. you want to start getting hot. This is when SAFC is starting to get hot. the The most successful season in SAFC uh, uh, history was 2017 and we got hot in the very beginning of the season billy forbes was the very first player of the month we went undefeated for the first quarter of the season and then we started getting hurt and then we started not getting the results that we were in the beginning and we just kind of floundered um we won the play our only playoff win um in our history against tulsa and then we played uh, OKC, and we could not lost in PKs going back to could not get the PK to save, save our, lives. our lives. So <laughs> that's kind of how that season went. Um, and I have been hoping, um, and as as a team, to have a team that gets hot in the second half of the season and see how that goes in the playoffs. And we're starting to see that happen before our eyes. So there, you can be nothing but excited right now for this team. Rafa, your thoughts on the bold, just to kind of wrap it up before we turn to El Paso again, but a preview. Uh, this is a, I mean, it was a great win. I mean, kind of like a little mirror image of the game versus New Mexico, but with a little more sauce, because uh, it was sweet to get a little revenge, you know, from the from the other game. Well, it's revenge also with the New Mexico game, but this this had this had a little more sauce as far as touching the ball. Uh, you know, having you know Maloney in there, especially in the attacks, and like I yep. said, Nathan creating chances and Gallegos finishing. So this is this is the type of I think this is the level we need to be at, and the intensity we have to bring every single game. Uh, and if we play like this, uh, there's not a team I don't think that can beat us. You know, I know we're still missing a, a few pieces. But once those pieces come back, and if we're starting to get on a roll, that's just going to be a little extra, little extra for us. And like I said, you mentioned about RGV kind of floundering around already. They're, they're getting hit with the injury bug. They're starting and to get hit we, with more injuries, especially yeah, up at the top. Yeah. You know, who's to say that it doesn't happen to El Paso and New Mexico yep. this, this next two months? And we, like I said, uh, we're not uh, we're, we're not done as far as for us. Can we see us being at the top spot? I think we can. Yep. At the very end. It's going to be uh, difficult to get there. If El Paso's not in got a 10-point Texas, El Texas, Texas, po- but yeah. El Paso's yeah, got but, a 10-point lead right now. Yeah. Which it's not impossible because we got three matches against them. So if you if, if you were to able to, to, to win those, you can close that gap up. Six-point swings are in a hurry, yeah. The the issue is is you know El Paso is gonna to me San Antonio as we talked earlier is the deepest team. Um, they've been able to muddle their way through uh, the um, 
the the injury bug. Um, I think with everybody's schedule, they're going to have an injury bug. It's just how deep of a team they are and how well that they can handle it. Um, and that's going to be the interesting point to see if RGV is starting to experience a little bit of, of energy, uh, or pardon me, injuries up top, and, and hopefully nothing serious. But uh, if you know. You know, if, if they're playing the forty-one-year-old uh, out there uh, timekeeper, uh, I would not object that uh, for that here. But uh, I mean, if you imagine Sonia down for El Paso, <laughs> who, who else do they have? You know, that's that's a key. Or, or Diego Luna goes down. El Paso's dealing with a little bit of injuries, um, so I think they they're the one team that I think is is a little bit deeper. Um, and I think we're going to talk about more with the news and notes with the bold. They're not deep at all. And, and in fact, you got to kind of wonder if, if they're, uh, uh, starting to wave the, the wave, the white flag a little bit, uh, you know, for that here. Um, and then, you know, New Mexico is a, a fairly, yeah, a fairly solid team here. Um, one of the big things that I really like about, um, this year is when we typically face a team a second time the results tend to be a little bit more favorable, which I think going into El Paso, even if it's on the road, I, I think San Antonio at least gets a point out of this match here. Um, I think they are, um, they are, they are a, a deeper team. I think they have the ability to score points. Um, El Paso on a baseball field. And when you see the game on here, the, the, the bases are, um, you know, the, the bases of Brown, <laughs> you know, the base, you know, the, the base path, you know, for the baseball field. So it'll be interesting uh, for it here. The next game on set on Sunday, uh, RGV uh, down in RGV um, last match of the year against RGV. Uh, your thoughts on going down and facing RGV for the final time uh, for San Antonio to get the tiebreaker against uh, RGV, uh, they need to win. They need to win number one. Number two, they need a two-goal win to be able to uh, have the clear tiebreaker advantage uh, for that here. Um, and yeah, coach, you are correct here. Uh, there is a ten-point gap, and El Paso does have uh, one game advantage uh, on us here uh, for that here. So only only one. You know, they played fourteen. We played fifteen. Um, you know, but uh, we're starting – those matches are going to get kind of uh, – start to get Turned added out. up fairly quickly, yeah. I, I think this game Sunday is important, to, we know, for us to get the three points. We need to steal those three points. And, you know, especially with the tiebreaker situation that we have, we do need to get a, a, another convincing win like we had on, on Saturday. So – and then also this is probably the opportune time since if they're – if RGV is kind of hurting a bit right now, this is the opportune time to take advantage of it and get and get the steal those three points, um, especially on this on this road trip. Um, so, uh, I think I think the guys the guys will be focused. They'll be ready to go, take care of business. I think they want to get that little bad taste out of their mouth. You know, kind of, you know, especially the last last time we played them. You know, th those two ties, which we should have won those two games. Yeah, you know it's time. It's time to steal one from them, and then hopefully we can get like a three-zero win, and that'll get us. You know, I'll take uh, a two-zero win. Three-one. I'll, I'll take a. You gotta win. Gotta win by two to get, to get the tie. You gotta get. You gotta win by two to get the tiebreaker. Yeah, uh, I mean, three, four, five-zero. As long as we beat beat them more than two, hey, uh, we'll, I'll be happy with that. 
Yeah, so we 100% lost internet, so I'm on cell phone power now. So, oh no, good times. <sighs> storms or I think so. I think the storms are affecting Google, um, which is fine. Do I? I'm on my phone now. That's fine. Well, we'll wrap it up here real, real quick here. Then, um, <laughs> any final thoughts that you? Well, any thoughts that you have on the RGV match here, Royce? Uh. For the El Paso and the RGV match, it'll be interesting to see how RGV comes out if they go full defense. Um, I'm looking forward to it because I think this is the match that we're finally going to uh, match up to them really well, uh, especially if we stay healthy. Um, I think we're going to uh, match up really well with them. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to it. The El Paso match will be interesting. Uh, it'll be a much more compact game because they are going to be on the baseball field. So it'll be interesting to see what Marcina comes up with um, to try to counter that. We have not played well on baseball fields this season. Um, the only other match was against uh, New Mexico. We lost two to two to nothing. But once again, we did not have the six to plug in the middle, and that's where they got their goal. So now for for that game, do you go? Do you go instead of playing a four two three one? Do you go with a three a three five two? If it's going to be kind of tight, compact, that way we don't allow them to get anything in the middle. You know, what do you, sh do you think we should go to that formation or kind of stick to what we've been doing? That would be really interesting uh, uh, if we went back to that. Um, and it would, it depends on what forwards are healthy. I think that's going to be very important. Um, as of right now, you have the one because you have Nathan up there. It'll be interesting to see if they want to pair up Nathan and Dylan. And like a in in the uh, two three five I guess it would be or a three five two, uh, it'd be very interesting to see that. Uh, that's a good point, and it'll be interesting to see what um, what more. Because I can envision, because I can envision maybe a Gallegos Nathan up top. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then on the and then Cueo Epps, and maybe even Lima because that just for the comp to get something compact and then. No, and then a boo and and glue on the back, or or, or whatever combination, because then the back three will probably have Axel, Maloney. We're gonna do Axel Maloney and Gleedle. Yeah, yeah, you could have the three, and that would really shore up. What that what that would do is it could allow one of the center backs to go key on Lucho to really eliminate him and neutralize him. Um, and it would also leave you with basically uh, um, kind of a four in the back. Uh, so you could go like a four, one, oh, I mean, a four and four and basically and just have a roving one go around wherever the hell Lucho goes to keep up with them. And then you have your four right in front. So it basically be, you know, that'd be interesting. Um, it would be an interesting uh, a twist. And uh, I'm fascinated to see what uh, what Marcina decides to do. It's, it's a really big road trip. Uh, we can make up a lot of ground right now. We are in a playoff spot, um, and we really want to see this get solidified and concreted, and it would be really cool if we got a, um, a playoff match at home. So, so let me go over the standings real quick, and then we'll kind of go into the, US, uh, the notes and kind of yep. recap on other topics here. So in the East, uh, there's a new leader, uh, the Riverhounds, uh, 30 points. Uh, if you look at the Rowdies, they're on a rough fo form here. I lost also, four of their last five. Rowdies also have two games in hand. So two games in hand, but we're going by standings here, buddy. 
Fair, fair. I'm just saying. Uh, I'm just saying. Or you got to win them. And looking at their form, they're not winning. <laughs> no, they're not. They're not even drawing, uh, which is wrong. Miami came back impressive. Uh, they were down 2-0 to, to Charleston and actually had Charleston with the win at half. And, of course, that's the last thing that you do. The fighting Billy Forbes came back to uh, get the 3-2 win and uh, back and into third kick. place. That Billy Forbes free kick was chef's kiss. Mwah, very nice. boy Billy. So, Hashtag Hartford, Billy being Billy. Billy's awesome, dude. Um, Hartford uh, lost to Pittsburgh. Uh, Dixon had had the hat or not hat had the brace uh, against mm -hmm. them. Uh, Red Bulls, who San Antonio faces next, not this Saturday, but the following Saturday in New York. Uh, not good, guys. Uh, Thirteen points, three eight four. Uh, 19 goals forward, 33 allowed. Uh, negative 14 Ooh. goal difference. Yes. So uh, it, it'll be. Uh, it's a long road trip. But uh, through there, and then of course you got Loudon, um, you know, you know, uh, on par with them. Uh, I think they're on a six-game uh, winless streak here, uh, if memory serves me correct. Um, in the Central, we have uh, Louisville City uh, at the top, Birmingham Legion, uh, Memphis is technically in third because they have the tiebreaker over Tulsa. Although mm -hmm. if you look at the USL website, they it's have flopped. it wrong. Yep. Uh, Atlanta United, OKC Energy. Um, basically I think they're down to the flip of a coin, uh, for it here. I tried going through the tiebreakers and yeah, there was no winner. I think it's uh best two out of three rock, paper, scissors at this point. <laughs> I think that's what it's like. Well, they're going to do Friday uh, night lights with the coin. The shock is Indy 11 down in seventh. They only got 14. Now they've got games in hand. So, you know, you know, they could come back, but, uh, uh, through there. And then of course, sporting Kansas city, uh, through there. Um, out West in the Pacific, uh, it's the rising show. Uh, there's no question rising defeated RGV this past week, uh, three to one, 14 games already have a seven point gap, orange County loyal, um, you know, 25, 24 points. And then there's a gap between a mess of four teams, Tacoma, Sacramento, Vegas, galaxy. And then, you know, the roots, uh, thanks for, uh, thanks for playing. Uh, yeah, at least they got turf coming. Uh, they showed pictures of, of some new turf coming Important uh, for that here. <laughs> and then in the mountain, uh, as we kind of hinted all, already, El Paso, 31 points, only one loss on the year. Uh, you know, they're on excellent form. RGB, about, 25 about two points. Losses. Yep. 25 points. New Mexico, one game prior, 22 points. Then three teams are tied uh, at 21 uh, San Antonio has the tiebreaker, has already won the tiebreaker of co over Colorado Springs, and with the uh, 3-1 or 3-0 win over the Bold, uh, they uh, have the tiebreaker right now over Austin Bowl and then Real Monarchs, uh, you know, big gap, uh, 13 points, although San Antonio has drawn them twice here, so hopefully that can change uh, when we play them again. Mm -hmm. uh, so for the here stuff. If we, if we beat El Paso and an RGV this week, we could be in second place after yep. Sunday. Yep. Uh, no, because we'd be at 24 oh. points. No. Oh, if we both, get the six both. points? Yeah. Yeah. Six. Yep. yeah, but RGV plays Real Monarchs. So. And Real's going to win, baby. Real's going to win. It's a, it's a <laughs> way. It's a way, but yes, uh, technically it can. And El Paso also plays, I want to say, they play a second match against, I want to say it's against uh, Austin Bold um, as well. So uh, Austin, RGV, and San Antonio. 
uh, each with two games this week. So that Austin El Paso or pardon me, San Antonio El Paso match is a very important uh, piece yep. in, you know, to see if San Antonio can kind of help close that close that gap. Yep. Uh, for that here. Copa Tejas, uh, we did nice. finally get a win. Uh, you know, we're, we're still ahead on max points of um, of RGV, but you know, if if El Paso gets this win this week, uh, if if they if they sweep this week, you can pretty much you know ship the trophy to El Paso because uh, I don't think anybody's catching them. I hate to say that, but uh, for Copa Tejas, and thank you, Aaron, uh, you know, for you know your post, I copy copy it and put it all nice and pretty on here. Uh, News and notes. Uh, Interesting today, uh, Austin Bull loans Jason Johnson to Tulsa. uh, And you might be thinking Austin Bull with that great uh, offensive attack, who's only scored 13 goals, sending away one of their top talents. Uh, Although he's only played eight games, he was on the bench against SAFC but did not play. I find that move kind of interesting. Do you think that the Boulder kind of – starting to pack it in or you think it's just i think i think uh epstein's looking for money um because he's going to sell the team so he's going to make as much money as he can it's pretty obvious the writing's on the wall they're not going to win anything so i think he's just trying to make money at this point unfortunately i do i do think that jason's there's two things. One, he had an incident, uh, a possible incident in uh, in uh, with Real Monarchs. Um, I also think he doesn't necessarily fit their system as well. You know, coming from the Phoenix system where he had a lot, you know, uh, a lot of success. I think Tulsa doesn't quite play that quick, but they do play quicker than um, Tulsa. Uh, so uh, much, much, uh, you know. Jason Johnson was the first goal scorer, multi-goal scorer for uh, San Antonio FC. So I always wish him luck no matter where he goes uh, for that here. Uh, Royce might like this one here. Christian Fuchs uh, loaned from Charlotte FC, uh, who is going to be the next MLS team that you're going to hate, to uh, Charlotte Independence. Uh, and Fuchs is a former captain of the Austria national team and helped uh, Leicester City uh, win the EPL. So thoughts Lester, on Lester. Lester. Come on, man. Lester. Just Lester. Come on, man. So thoughts on a EPL winner uh, playing in USL <laughs> and a DP, right? I think he's a DP. Yeah. Uh, it's cool. What can you say? It's cool. It'll be cool to see him in the league. So look at Rhode Island. Oh, shoot. Rhode Island. Um, <laughs> man, I shouldn't hit that. Uh, they break ground on their new stadium, 7,500, with the start in USL Championship in 2013. 2023. Uh, or 2023. 20, uh, 2023. Uh, TV ratings. Uh, since we we're on ESPN2, you could actually get a, you know, a little bit of ratings. 52,000 turned in. It seems like MLS averages about 150 to 2,000. They, they average, yeah, they average 150 to 200,000 on weekends. This was on, on Wednesday night. Right. On ESPN, this was on ESPN right. two as well. Just to kind of caveat that, so I think it's I think it's a good showing. Uh, pretty Fifty two thousand, pretty, uh, pretty good, pretty good here. Here's where we'll probably stop and have some discussion. Uh, unfortunately, the U.S. Women's National Team lost early this morning to Canada, one to nothing on a PK. Uh, Canada will face Sweden for the bronze uh, on August fifth at three a.m. Uh, we will be going against Australia and uh, our good friend uh, Chris. And, and his team, um, for me, and I've said this, you know, and me and Daniel's kind of gone back and forth. 
I think it was a mistake to send the World Cup team over to the Olympics. I think we should have been, you know, looking at yeah, kind of hitting that, turning that page over to the young, you know, younger teams. Because if this, if this World Cup or if this uh, not World Cup, if this Olympics was played last year, you wouldn't have had this same roster that moved over. You would have had a younger roster, probably a little bit more hungry. And I'm not saying that the ladies didn't play hungry, but there was something missing on, on this team. I, I don't, you know, there, there was no doubt about it. They just didn't have that same it factor. Your thoughts, uh, uh, Royce, on the women's national team uh, dropping out uh, of uh, uh, and not going for the gold, but we'll settle uh, for possibly bronze? Uh, honestly, I think they were tired. They just played a lot of soccer in the last few years. Uh, they also took, you know, an aging core. Um, I think they needed the younger, more exciting kids to go to get an opportunity. I just think it was the wrong lineup that uh, that Vlacko sent. So, here's a, here's a question. Now, here's mm -hmm. my thoughts on this. Do you think now uh, with the Olympics, you know how the men's is a U23 and they invite, I think, like three older players? Do you think it's time for the women's uh, soccer for the Olympics be a straight U23 so that can that can develop those players? For something that won't, this won't happen, actually, especially in the World Cup, only a very select few teams could actually pull that off. So they're still not deep enough yet. I, I don't. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think a lot of teams are deep enough to be successful in that way. And deep enough, I mean, by country-wise, you know, because <laughs> exactly. you know, exactly. this was what four groups, sixteen teams, and there were probably what eight to tw eight to ten of them that were probably fairly competitive, and others were, you know, it was. You know, you know, it was awesome to be there because, you know, you take a look at it here. Uh, the group that U.S. was in, um, three out of the four, you made it to the final four, um, you know, along those lines. Gold Cup kind of wrapping up. Um, U.S. gets the gets the uh, victory. 1-0. Uh, we'll, we'll go with you, Royce, uh, you know, Team United States, and then we'll go with you, Rafa, uh, uh, Team Mexico recap. Uh, is exciting to see, um, you know, this was a really competition to see who is going to be kind of the backups for uh, World Cup qualifying as well as going to the World Cup, um, uh, I guess, next year. That's insane. Um, and it's it's good that they have really made Berhalter's job harder to see who he's going to take. Uh, there are a lot of really good performances in this tournament. Um, it's always really good when you have a team that can play in a tournament together to get that experience of going through a tournament together. Um, and at the same time, the U.S. defended really well. Um, the ref had some really questionable decisions that I guess he wasn't brave enough to give deserved red cards, which there were two pretty clear incidences that Mexico deserved it. Um, and it went to extra time. Here's, and, here's my question for yeah. you on that. When that kick happened... Did anybody believe that was going to be a red card? I didn't. It should have been, it, but I'm so it, used. It should have been. Or I'm so conditioned to the refereeing in, in Concacaf and, and in the United States to where I was like, "This is Mexico. This is towards the end of the game. He's I not mean, Acha, call it." Acha is so known for grabbing people's necks and getting away with it that he just does it all the time because he knows he's going to do it without with uh, with impunity. It's embarrassing. Uh, and they need to review that because we'll let Rafa, you know, yeah, retort according to letters of the law. That's like any contact <laughs> with the face or neck that, uh, and aggression. That's a red card. Uh, anyway, uh, US, they'll settle in uh, cups and tournaments this summer. So, 
They're still not the good. kings of Con- at CONCACAF, in my it, opinion. It feels I'm good sorry. to be back on top. It feels good to be back on top. Uh, the, okay, okay, time out, time out. I, I need to respond real quick before Rafa goes. Matt with the uh, U.S. park the bus. Um, no, dude, no. There was no parking the bus. They were attacking each way. The game most of the time was back and forth for most of the match. There was no parking the bus. I I, I don't know where that comes from. I think it's a because people think the lesser team is going to park the bus, which there were no lesser team. The Mexico B plus team was equal to the USC team. Um, that's just kind of how it went in this match. Um, Mexico just, I, I, I don't know what it was. They put a lot of balls on frame. They created a lot of chances. Matt Turner turned them all away. Uh, Matt Turner was huge. And the other two huge players in this match were Kellen Acosta, who dominated the midfield, and Miles um, Robinson, who won I mean, player of the match deservedly because he he was huge in this match and he scored the goal. So, Rafa, go ahead with the the Mexican. Uh, for me, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not too worried about it because if you look at the championships, it's rotating every two years. The last last one was won by Mexico. Then the year before was won by the U.S. So everybody hits the reset button. I think I think the U.S. hit the reset button when they make the World Cup, and that's why they I think they invested in with the youth movement. Mexico's going to do the same. I think they're going to do the same thing. I think now, I think Salcedo's to me, Amaz Salcedo is trash. Salcedo is bad. I mean, he, he got he got subbed in and subbed out. He was he's really trash. bad. Uh, Chaka, he needs. Not good enough. The, what right. my 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 perspective on this is is the team that's going to play this morning against Brazil. Mm-hmm. Look at those players. I think I think had they not, I think if those players, you know, this would have been interesting because if there was no Olympics, like let's say they played the Olympics last year, you know, maybe some like players like Cordova, Henry Martin. Uh, Diego Linus, who are under 23s, right. those are the players you want as far as as far as development. I think Tata needs to re- I think understand that hey, you know when you're going into World Cup qualifying, these are the players that you need to have. As far as the, you got to have some young, hungry players that are going to go out and play with guts. And for me, when I did, I did I mean like I caught the second half, I didn't see any effort or any passion. They were just running through the motions. There was a couple players that they did play, but you know. See, like, I, uh, I I disagree with that, and I'm I'm gonna ask you a question th- as there's well. A, there's a couple, just a couple of them. There's when when Ache is gonna kick people in the head, I don't get the oh they just oh, had no passion. They didn't want to be there. It's like no, uh, that dude, that you know, could have been, should have been a red. I think so. It's it similar. Should have been a red. red. I mean, it should have been a red because it's similar. I mean, it's similar. Should have been called on the Austin I mean, Bolt goalkeeper. It's, it's similar to, it's similar to the to the. If you watch, remember from the Jesus, the right? Ma- Gabriel Jesus, right? Yeah, it, it was similar to. I think the reason why he didn't give him a red because it wasn't on the face; it was more towards the back of the head. But that's not excusable, it's anyways. The head. It, it's no, he didn't. He didn't give him a red because of the crowd and because of the timing of the game. Right. Yeah. If, the, if that, if that would have happened in the first half, he would have gave him a red. Yeah. Clear as day. Now, the there ref was did not one... have the courage to do his job. That's it. That's the reason. 
No, there was. And that one. was going to be my – Coach Cano brings up my other point. There's a lot of grumbling that a lot of Mexican fans want Tata Martino to get sat. Do you agree with that? Who who? Well, here's the thing. Well, I don't even understand, like with the Mexican Federation, how they pick their coaches. They're still. It's either going to be Biojo or they're going to go back to Juan Pablo. Uh, oh no, no, <laughs> they're actually it's selected by all the owners of the team of the MX right. teams. Right, right. It's the Caballeros. Caballeros. My uh, my, my thing. Court. If they were going to make a change, but I don't think it's possible now, would have been Tuca Ferretti. But it's not. He's not going to do it because he's not with nope. FC Juarez. Nope. If I'm if I'm going to make a change and if I'm going to make a splash, and you probably think I'm crazy about this, but I think Greg you Berhalter. didn't get it. No. <laughs> well, well, I'm actually going to talk about someone that really made this kind of this team as far as the youth mo- going with the youth movement, as far as building the youth programs. To me. I'd go with Jurgen Klinsmann. No. If I'm the Mexican Federation, that would be if, hilarious. Please do. Well, please do. I love Jurgen, but uh, and the reason, and here's the Good reason Julian. why you want Good Julian. But you, here's the reason why, if you look what he did with the youth programs, he really took it up a notch there. He's just there and get the fair shake as far as completing. I think had they stuck to him a little bit more, I think he would have gotten the results. But if you look, but he's a good de- as far as developing players, he can do that, and I think he can help with Mexico. Especially, here's the thing with Mexico that the U.S. youth hasn't done. Mexico's won two world, uh, two uh, junior, uh, the World Cups for the youth teams, with the U- U17s and the U20s, Correct. and they've won the and they've won an the Olympics. So I think bringing him in, he can kind of really kind of gold mold those yeah. players. And then, t- and then, really, kind of get those players to how to get those players to play more in Europe, which which the U.S. has. See, I, know, I completely. And, and I it completely sounds it sounds it sounds crazy, but no, I, you know, I just I, I disagree from what everything I've heard and from when he's been a head coach, basically everywhere, is that he tells you a formation, but he has no sp- specific instructions. He has no actual tactical. Um, See that was the problem it's with just... the, that was the problem with the previous coach with Mexico. He just couldn't stick to a a, a set lineup. Uh, with Osorio, so, yeah, one Osorio, yeah, he could not so, stick. Yeah, with his what Osorio did, Osorio did a lot of genius things, but he overthought everything. Mm-hmm. The the most genius thing that he did was he had everybody uh, on Mexico, and this was uh, when they, I think, when Mexico won. Uh, they beat the Germany Germany uh, game. No, it was against the U.S. Um, I think they won like 2 nothing against the U.S. But basically what happened was they clearly set up in a, uh, a 4-3-3 uh, before the kick. Uh, and they got the kick of, of the uh, the initial kick of the ball when the game begins, the kickoff. And they were clearly in a 4-3-3. And everybody pushed up. The, the uh, fullbacks pushed up. The midfielders pushed up. The forwards pushed up. And they kicked it long. And when they kicked it long, they kicked it kind of out of bounds. And they mm-hmm. switched uh, formations. They went directly to a uh, a three in the back. So they went to a 3-4-3. Three, three, and that completely changed everything uh, against the U.S. And the U.S. didn't know what they were doing. Michael Bradley kept going over the side. And the, I think it was – it may have been Jurgen's last game. 
And Michael Bradley kept telling Jurgen, what do we do? This isn't working. They just changed formations. What do we do? And Jurgen, Klinsman, and not as important of a moment, but he kind of did a George W. Bush when a 9-11 was happening where he just kind of <laughs> sat there and was like, I'm just going to continue reading this book to these kids. I'm going to completely forget that I'm the leader of the free world right now. Um, and that's Klinsman did the same thing. He just kind of sat on his hands and just, that was a really bad comparison. I, I apologize, but you get the yeah. sentiment. Um, so, but I, I think, I think like for say, he, if you're going to change the coaches, you know, for me, I think, I think he could be a good option as far as developing, if you're going to develop your players right. to eventually do that. But as of but, right now for world cup qualifying, which is what I, I think, was going to ask you with exactly. Jeff Kano's question. I stick, I, I stick, I stick, stick with to with yeah, you stick with them, but you get rid of the players. There, you get you bring in hungry players. You're bringing in Cordova. Yeah. Well, you definitely Linus. get rid of Salcedo. Yeah, yeah, uh, you're bringing like if you watch. Yeah. Hopefully, if you get to watch the titly, you know the replays for day. Whether they win or lose against Brazil, they're two center young center backs. I think they need to get called up to the first team. Um, Ivan Tata too. I, I need to uh, kind of swallow my pride and sit down with, with Carlos Villa and, and iron this out. What about Zizarito? And hit, well, now that Rojo I think he would have made a difference we'll, we'll in this. See, we'll see what Rojo He would have made a Mendes difference in this World Cup. He, he would have, yeah, I think, I think they made a mistake. Probably not World Pizarro. Cup, but Gold, Gold Cup. Cup. Yeah, Gold they made a mistake bringing Pizarro in. They should have brought in Chicharito in. But that's more because of ego. He needs to fix the ego. But uh, but eventually, like I said, Mexico is going to learn from this. They always do, and they make those corrections. And honestly, the World Cup, as far as World Cup qualifying, I, my here's my prediction: it's going to be the U.S., Mexico, uh, Canada, and and Costa Rica. I think those are the yeah. four that are going to go in. So I got one question before we get to the final thoughts. David Ochoa, you know, the Real Salt Lake Real Monarchs goalie going to switch to, according to Mexican sources, Federation. switch to Mexico. I'm not worried about from the U.S. standpoint because I think out of the one positions we are, goalkeeping tends to be one we're, we're very deep on. The, the reason he switched is because what Matt Turner just did in the Gold right. Cup period, and he he does not see a way in. And, and obviously there's no way and in. And he's going to get a chance with Mexico because – You think he will? Yeah. Uh, he, eventually he Ochoa's will. Ochoa's aging. Talavera's yeah. not that good. Yeah, that was okay, but then you have. But here, here's another surprise that came over the weekend. I watched the highlights of the Club America game. Their backup goalkeeper is that that damn good, and he's already getting pushed. So, hey, why not him in the in the Mexican national team? And and I, I got some I saw him firsthand at the game in the Alamo Dome. This guy was making unbelievable saves. So. There's going to be some competition, but I think I think he did make the right choice because eventually I think they will use him for you know some maybe for some of the kind of the warm up friendly games. Maybe hopefully he'll get sneak into the maybe to the next World Cup, the 2026 one. I think he could end up being the you know the, the future goalie for them. And that and that's another thing is like like I was saying that that's kind of what I was getting at was the Mexican core of goalkeepers is really aging and the mm -hmm. U.S. core of goalkeepers is really young with Ethan. Um, with a Zach, and obviously with Matt Turner, they're both in their twenties. And that's what happened with the U.S. 20s. national team with with um with um uh, with their yeah, yeah. When you had Guzan, you had mm -hmm. uh, Howard, you had that real young core that came up after the Keller, after Keller and uh, um, 
Mindyola. I want to say Heineman. I want to say Heineman. It's not Heineman. I can't think of. Um, also mm. a bald dude. Big surprise. Bald U.S. goalkeepers. Guzan and Howard. And you really and want to have a stable Marcus, of really Marcus Heineman is one of them. Anyway, yeah. and then Brad, Brad Friedel was the other guy. Friedel. But anyway, yeah. You want to have a stable, at least four good goalkeepers that you can call up. Right. And exactly. That's, and that's what, and I think that's why he kind of realized that. And that's why I think he's like, okay, I have a better shot coming here. That's correct. That's correct. The the U.S. pool is just deeper and younger. Anyway, mm-hmm. let's get the final thoughts. I hear my kid losing his crap. So. <laughs> final thoughts, Royce, and then you can leave. <laughs> um, I just want to say shout out to SAFC and shout out to Coach Marcina for wishing me a happy birthday. It's kind of a weird thing, but kind of made my day. It's kind of cool. Um, I didn't get that. I, well, oh. there you go. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, I appreciate it. It was cool. Uh Thanks to you guys for hanging out with me. Thanks for my family for letting me go and getting lost with Google Maps because Google Maps sucks. So I'm a believer in ways. I've uh, I've converted to ways. Google Maps just got me lost in Austin. I was tired of it. Yep. And speaking of, I'm out, guys. Y'all have a good one and uh, go SAFC on Wednesday. All right. We'll see y'all. Rafa, your final thoughts? Uh, just going to say final thoughts. Uh, fun time in Austin. Like I said, it was a good Good, it's an underrated good experience. experience. Uh, Thanks for the ball. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, a little more food choices, SAFC. You might want to <laughs> look into that too. Um, but final thoughts is like I said, going into like I said, going into this week. You know, hopefully, like I said, we can get the six points against El Paso, get some revenge, and uh, with both RGV and El Paso. So hopefully, we can get that, and uh, just look forward to. Uh, other things, you know, as far as work, I know my work's coming soon, so excited about that. And then it just everybody, make sure to take care of yourself, get yourself vaccinated because yeah, that thing's kind of coming back, kind of creeping up. And just if you're not sure vaccinated, take, you're in trouble. Yeah, you're in trouble. So take care, take care of that. And um, like I said, I'm not too worried about like I said, Mexico will bounce back, will win in 2023. That's how history shows on the timeline. It does. So you think they I'm should not, do it every four years? See, my here's my thing. I think this should end the Gold Cup, and I think this should no, go. You can't end it. Well, well here and here's my here's my point. I think they should end it and get your best six teams from Concacaf and put them in, in Copa America. I think that's a more beneficial. That benefit more the U.S., Mexico, and all the other teams. Because they will get you ready for qualification and also get you ready for the World Cup. You want to play top level teams; those are the ones you're going to see. That I think I think that would be a better because we did experience it a couple years ago. I, I had fun going to those games, seeing like Costa Rica versus Colombia, also Mexico versus Venezuela. That those are some some good quality games. I would I would like to have it still every four years. But you would rotate it with that, you know, with the other side being, you know, the Copa Americas, whatever you want to call it, or, you know, with, with, uh, uh, Combo and, and CONCACAF, um, along those, along those lines, have, you know, have that, you know, you know, kind of the year of the Euros, uh, along those lines there where, um, you got the Euros during the day, you got, you know, the, the, Western, you know, North America, America, South America in the evenings, you know, have it 16, 24 teams, whatever, whatever it is, you know, whatever it is, you got to have some cupcakes in there. 
uh, you know, for that here. And I do think the gold cup, uh, gold cup is important, especially to some of the island teams, the Caribbean teams, to be able to try to get that opportunity to be able to, you know, qualify along those lines. So, um, but I think if you did it every four years and and you know have it maybe after the World Cup, so that way the Gold Cup would be kind of that that first first tournament after where you're going to have a little bit of younger roster where maybe you know the 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 Caribbean teams may have a, a more senior laden uh, roster compared to yours, and then you build up uh, along those lines. For me, that's what I would I would love to see. But or, or you just have a straight Caribbean Cup. I, mm -hmm. I think I think Mexico. The United States, uh, Canada, Costa Rica, even Honduras, and then maybe maybe Panama. It, it'd be more beneficial playing in Copa America. It, you're just gonna play a lot better competition. It's just gonna make there. There's where you're gonna get the real test. You know, you know, you're not gonna you know having go, scoring six goals in Martinique. That doesn't really help you see how good you really are. I, I think Coca Cap should just make a Caribbean Cup and then have those six teams play the Copa America. But if you are going to continue doing the Gold Cup, I do want to see them switch venues. Yes. I think the Gold Cup should be in Mexico. And, and Canada. Then rotate Canada mm -hmm. and then the U.S. I think they should rotate the three. I, I, I like to see the Gold Cup final in Mexico City. You know, I think I think I know it's a money grab. It's always has. But I think, to be fair, if you're going to have a Gold Cup, having a, one of those three – you could still have like the group play, let's say stateside, yeah. and then you could move the the semifinals to Mexico or to Canada, or even if you did that, you could go to some of these, you know, like Costa Rica, you know, Honduras, and and, and some of these smaller countries, mm -hmm. and you know, they would have to meet certain stadium requirements along those lines to make you know make sure the infrastructure is there. But yeah. to me, you spread some of that wealth around. Um, if you get the top four teams playing, you know, in, in Costa Rica, in Jamaica, uh, along those lines, people are still going to watch, you yeah. know, the stands are still going to be full. You're just, you're going to have, Mexico is going to travel. United States will, will travel, especially going to Mexico or, you know, going to Canada, you know, going to Jamaica, you know, along those lines, people will travel and, and like said here, you know, what they had, what the, Semifinal? What was it? The semifinals at no, the quarterfinals at Q2 Stadium, and, it, and it's a nice stadium. Or it was semifinal? Yeah, semifinal at Q2. It holds twenty thousand. So you can't tell me they can't have stadiums in Jamaica or you know other Central American yeah. countries that have at least twenty thousand that would be able to host. And you know, to me, you spread it around a little bit because let's be honest, it's TV money that is what drives us. Um, and, and that's the reason why I think, you know, for South American teams, to me, I think it's in their best interest. Number one, you get outside of playing the same, you know, you know, cause they're qualifying. It's always the same, What they have what 10 countries, I think down there. Yeah. So it's the same, it's the same, you're playing the same teams over and over. It gives you a little bit more variety. And, and to me, like I said here, I think it would build, it would improve the whole, you know, you know, the whole Americas um, up and down, uh, you know, for that. Because Brazil's not going to struggle against the United States, you know, but, you know, they're not struggling against the mid-level, you know, mid-level teams in, in South America anyways. Yeah. But what it does is it may help the mid, you know, mid-level teams in, 
in South America and help the U.S., Mexico along those lines to be able to say, okay, hey, if you're going to play Mexico, if you're going to play Argentina, it pushes, it, you know, it, it shows, hey, the gaps that you need to do. Mm-hmm. That's why, and that's why I rather have a 16 team Copa America than than the Gold Cup because it, it's it's more beneficial. And like the, the last time that they had the the Copa America here in the United States, um, there was a record number of of fans, especially like the one game they had Argentina and the USA at in Houston for the I think it was the quarterfinal game. Mm-hmm. That was a sellout game. Uh, but you know the I know this this year Copa America had had to change venues. First I had to go to first it was going to be in Colombia. That didn't happen. Then I went to Argentina. That didn't happen. And so I ended up in Brazil, which really didn't have any fans until the, I think to the final. So you know, it would be probably be beneficial, like I say, if they have a Copa America in the United States again, because we have those big monster stadiums. Not that the Brazilians don't have them or Argentina don't have them, but it'd be beneficial for them. But, you know, it will be also nice to say, you know, for us like to travel down there, like especially in Argentina, the Bombonera, that's an experience there to have a final there or or even the, uh, the Maracanano there in Brazil. So I, th- I think that in the end it's going to be, a ben- like I said, a benefit for those teams to get play better competition. And, it's, right. and then also it'll give you better evaluate where you're at. So I'm getting the call as well here. Um, so my final thoughts, uh, you know, and this, this is probably a theme that I try to do. Number one, Royce wasn't able to give his, but, you know, it's get vaccinated. You know, the stats are out. Please do. Um, my other final thought is one that I've kind of, you know, uh, hinted on all year. Um, if you need to talk to somebody, you know, National Suicide Prevention uh, Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. You know, hit somebody up on on social media, whether it's me, you know, other friends saying, hey, you need to talk, um, especially for men. Uh, please do. Uh, like I said here, mental health is not a joke. You know, you know, for here, I know, you know, when I was a kid, it was, you know, you know, it was, quote unquote, a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of weakness. It's, you know, as we've seen with, you know, top athletes, uh, you know, in the Olympics, you know, where, you know, if, if you're if you're not right, you're not right. Um, you know, so ha- have the courage to step up, ask for help, talk, you know, you know, vent, whatever that you need. Uh, please do that here. Um, that's, you know, just so important, you know, for, you know, for me this year is, is to kind of, you know, help spread that word of, you know, if you need to talk to somebody, please do, uh, for that here. Um, my other final thought here is, uh, you know, if you are going down to RGV, be safe. Uh, you know, I, I think me and the checks are planning on going down. Um, for that here, if you're going to El Paso, be safe. It's a longer drive. Um, and you're probably already heading out uh, for that here tomorrow morning, uh, for that here. So tune us in. Thank you for everybody that's turned, uh, tuned, uh, tuned in, uh, coach Cano, uh, Robert, uh, Matt, uh, enjoy the comments, BC sports dad. We saw you here. Uh, I know you said you'll hang up and listen. That's what our line to you, uh, for that here uh, and your great show, uh, on Sunday mornings. Uh, for that here. So, but thank you everybody for uh, tuning in. Um, What's life without goals? We're out of here. Peace.